0: Hey, church family, thank you again for joining us for Cornerstone Church Online. Um, Pastor Chad here, just an honor to stand before you week after week and open the scriptures together and just do our best to point our hearts, to bring our minds and thoughts and lives and aim them at the reality of Jesus, his kingdom, and to just bring to bear whatever we're facing, feeling, sensing, and going through and just submitting it to his lordship and his reality. And there's no better place or posture to do that than to bring what we're going through to Christ and submit it to his word. And so the message today is inspired by a devotional time I had this week um, in the Gospel of John. Um, As many of you know and follow Maybe um, not just the, the, the everyday calendar, but the, the church calendar. We are just a few weeks away from celeb- celebrating Pentecost Sunday, which commemorates and looks back and celebrates when God poured out his Holy Spirit on the 120 disciples who waited in one accord for 10 days in prayer. Until God sent the promise, Father and Son, of the Holy Spirit upon a waiting, praying, unified church. And, um, you know, so as it pertains to the church calendar, we're still in that season of resurrection. And, um, you know, last week was just too awesome of an opportunity to share my mom with our church community and kind of hitting uh, pause or putting a comma In our lenses series. But this is a little bit of a one off, but I I really think it's a word for us today Uh, as we prepare our hearts with the global church to not just commemorate a sacred feast um, or day, but to cry out for another outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm convinced that as we look to the scriptures, and in particular, the life, ministry and posture of Jesus, we will find ourselves preparing for a move, a fresh move, a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so without further ado, grab your Bibles, grab your iPad, iPhone, whatever else device you use, and open up to John chapter 13. It's a very, very um, familiar passage if you have been around the church for any amount of time. And even if you haven't, Maybe you've heard of uh, this this episode of the the life and ministry of Jesus when he washes the disciples' feet. And then I want to read the story and I want to just draw out maybe a few of its implications as we prepare our hearts, as we hit pause on maybe a very busy, stressful week in this coronavirus season, maybe a week filled, filled with. Anxiety, maybe a week filled with when will they lift the stay-at-home orders? Maybe a week filled with how am I going to make it? How am I going to have enough? Um, wherever you you've been this week, let's 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 pause, let's be real and vulnerable, but let's bring it to the Lord in the scriptures today and see what Jesus has to say what Jesus has done, what he wants to do as we read his his word. So John chapter 13, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, He took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, Hear it. You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Jesus answered. Peter answered, no, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, not every one of you was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put put on his clothes and returned to his place. Look at that. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example, that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. One more verse, verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So many are are asking questions like, what is God up to in this coronavirus season? What is he trying to teach us? What is he What is he saying? What is he shaping? What kind of church are we going to see on the other side of this thing? What kind of church are we going to become during this time? If that's too impersonal or ethereal, what kind of person are you becoming? What kind of man am I becoming? What kind of dad? What kind of son? What kind of husband or friend or What kind of employer, what kind of employee, if if what kind of church are we becoming is too big, shrink it down. Who are we becoming in this season? What is God up to? What's he saying? What's he speaking? What's he revealing as we are forced to think about things that maybe we never would have had to think about before? And this story to me is so Profound. I I think when I read it, it's like an invitation to discover more of what God has for us in this season of what I'm going to call washing, cleansing, pruning, purging, and preparation for the season that I believe he wants to bring his church into for a glorious future, a fruitful, flourishing future. But we can't skip this story. So what do, what do we see here? It's so significant that Jesus is so when you know who you are the son the beloved son of the father when you know where you came from and when you know where you're going you are freed from having to grasp, grab and grip for things like power, possessions, Positions, titles, fans or followers or influence or impact or reach. When you know who you are, where you came from, whose you are and where you're going. Jesus is walking with this kind of self-awareness and revelation. I'm the father's son. Passover is coming. This is the moment, father, you and I and the Holy Spirit have dreamed about. From before the foundations of the earth were laid. This plan of rescue and redemption, this plan of renewal and restoration, it's happening. Father, though my contemporaries and even my own disciples are fuzzy on who I really am and where I really came from and what I'm really here to do and where I'm going to go after my death and resurrection, even though they're fuzzy, Father, you and I understand This is our plan. Because of that self-awareness, because of that God conscious, because of that consciousness, because of that that awareness, because of the the bond of relationship between Father and Son, Jesus is free from all the trappings and trippings that you and I stumble over on the way towards a life of significance a life of substance, a life of importance, a life of meaning, all those things we would grip and grasp and grab for, Jesus is able to disrobe because he knows who he is. And instead of trying to go higher and climb a ladder, he's able to be free to go lower, to not just speak about his kingdom, but to model what life and the posture of humble, self-emptying, sacrificial love looks like, not just on a cross, although that's the most concentrated form of his love, but all the way toward the cross and here with his closest friends, including his betrayer, Jesus goes low to wash feet. Knowing that everything that the Father has He'd put it all under his power in light of that kind of understanding of power of the promise that the nations belong to the son at the father's right hand. Even in light of all the prophetic promises of Daniel seven, that Jesus would be the king of an everlasting kingdom, that the kings and the nations of the earth would bow before him, that Isaiah nine, Jesus would be the one on whose shoulders would rest the everlasting never-ending kingdom of God, in light of this understanding, in light of this power and this position and the possession of even the nations and all of the earth redeemed and restored and reconciled to himself because of his sacrifice, in light of that knowledge, he's free to serve. He's free to give his life away. He's free to take the posture and position of a lowly servant or slave to teach his disciples, to teach his church a lesson, to prepare his church a lesson, a posture we're meant to not just admire, but we're meant to adopt in preparation for the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and God's next marching orders for his church. I'm believing in post and during this coronavirus season. It goes on to say that he, Wrapped a towel around his waist and he washed his disciples' feet. And then he comes to Peter and he's like, Jesus, you're gonna wash my feet. And here's here's why I think this is a word for the church, a word for me, a word for us. There's so much negativity about the church in America or, or the Western world and its decline. And it's not just negativity, it's data-driven. There's so many statistics, and it's easy to click a YouTube link and to read a blog from somebody who thinks that they're in the know because they can write an article. There's so many negative things that go around about the church, that she's compromised, she's dull, she's deluded in her allegiance to Christ. She's she's more in love with the world than she is with her Savior. And wherever you're at on that spectrum, and however true some of those statements might be, God loves his church. Jesus Christ is the bridegroom king of his bride called the church. And however compromised or diluted or not full of faith enough or full of compassion enough, God still loves his church. Jesus even loves his disciples who are knuckleheads, who don't understand what he's about to do, who just before this story are arguing who's the greatest and who gets to sit on his right and the left, even in the midst of all of our funkiness, all of our confusion about our 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 identity and our position and our, the posture that we're meant to live in light of our King Jesus, even though we so often fumble around and we miss the mark in those areas, Jesus still loves us. We're still his people. And I want you to know that maybe your record these last eight or nine weeks, maybe you feel like you got a C minus. Maybe you haven't been reading your Bible or praying enough and you're just trying to survive. You're just trying to stay afloat. I want you to know he still loves you you're still his son or daughter. You're part of his people. He doesn't need to give you a whole bath. He just needs to wash your feet. And that's why this passage I, I was so burning to share it with our church today. Because I believe that a part of this coronavirus season is we're able to hit pause on many of those things that can distract us, that can allure our affection or our attention, that pull at us to, to grasp and to grab and to grip and to find our identity and purpose and destiny and success and impact and all of these things and influence, we can, they can all be cheaply substituted for the substance and the reality of the gospel truth that we belong to God because Christ has poured out his life and he's claimed us as his own. And Peter says, there's no way you're washing my feet. And Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. And of course, Peter takes it to the extreme. I can very much identify with Brother Peter. Not just my feet, but my hands and my head. I could just see him. He's like, dude, you have decent hygiene, even for a fisherman. You don't need me to wash your whole body, just your feet. Why the feet? I believe part of this, just one small part of preparation in this coronavirus season is our feet have been slowed down. We quite literally have not been able to go to certain places. We quite literally have not been able to continue our pattern of behavior. We quite literally, our feet have been slowed and for many of us, stopped. And Jesus is like, you're my people, you're my disciples, you're my church. I don't need to wash your whole body. I just wanna wash your feet. I want you to hit pause long enough to let me serve you in love. I just want to wash your feet. I want, I want you to rethink those, those rhythms, those routines, those everyday things that your feet walk in. Those conversations that you you used to partake of that, that de- that destroyed another's reputation. Those conversations that you used to think were just kind of idle and no big deal. Those everyday rhythms and routines and just way of being human in the world. I want to wash your feet. I want this season. I want to give you new shoes. I want to give you a new rhythm. I want to give you a, I want to give you a new normal of what it means to be my people. You're my people. I love you. I don't need to wash your whole body. Just stop long enough in preparation and let me wash your feet. The reality is it's not that so many of us, it's true of some of us, so I'm not watering it down, we the big bad sins, the big the big gaping, obvious things that are against God's law, but for so many of us, because of busyness, because of materialism, because of trying to keep up with the Joneses, because of trying to be like those that we see on Instagram or Facebook, it's it's that our feet have walked in paths and feet are dirty. He still loves us. He he still calls us his own, but he's just like, I want you to walk different. I want you to move differently. I want you to move to a different pace. I, I want you to walk with me. You're already clean, but let me wash your feet. It's the coming in and the going out. It's I want you to think about your job different. I want you to think about your finances different. I I want you to walk into your relationships different. I want you to walk into your family different. I I want you to walk into the church and as the church different, you're already clean. You don't need a whole bath, but let's have a conversation about what does it mean to just live and move and have your being in me. Let's have that conversation And so Jesus washes the disciples' feet and friends. This is a season to just humble ourselves, as humiliating as it is, to be washed by one who is infinitely more glorious, holy, worthy for us to wash his feet. I believe King Jesus wants to wash the feet of our church. If that's not personal enough, I believe he wants to wash my feet believe he wants to wash your feet in preparation for what he wants to do next. What does he want to do next? I've set you an example. I washed your feet that you should do as I've done for you. You'll be blessed if you do them. What if the new normal that we're to walk into, what if the new normal as we are constantly thinking as church leaders and and pastor and and leadership team, what is the church going to look like? What if at its simplest form, not easiest, but simplest form, because he's washed our feet and we've paused long enough to say, God, everything is on the table. You can renegotiate, you can speak to, you can shape, shake, purge, prune, cleanse, wash, whatever you want. We wanna walk in a brand new way patterned after your example, after your life and lifestyle. And friends, right here, we see one of the most poignant pictures of what it means to adopt the life and lifestyle of Jesus. And it's to follow his example. All of those things that we used to elbow and why else feet? If you remember way back in Genesis chapter four, when the first sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, there was, Brotherly strife, brotherly rivalry, brotherly competition. And remember that the blood of Abel cried out from the ground. And, friends, so many of us in this coronavirus season, we need our feet washed because we didn't take seriously enough the the sanctity, the beauty, the glory of the Christian community, what it means to belong to each other. Our feet are dirty. Because of our words, because of our attitudes, my feet are dirty because of my words and my attitudes. And Jesus is like, I want to wash your feet. I want to set you an example that if you'll adopt this posture by my grace and by my spirit. You really will find yourself living out of the fullness of the promise of John 13, 34 and 5. If you'll not just give a nod to my example, but you'll lean into my example, you'll let me wash your feet, you'll follow me, you'll allow the Holy Spirit to wash and cleanse and to illuminate areas that need to be surrendered and submitted to my Lordship. Those areas that you just thought you were walking along and having your own way and your own will, your own agenda, and Jesus is like, stop long enough. I need to wash your feet because we're gonna walk different after this season. We're gonna begin to walk different in this season. Those things that we took for granted, those things that we thought were just goods to be consumed like church, they're really a covenant community that we're invited into participation, to submit to each other, to love each other as Christ has loved us, as we see in this story. You know, what are the disciples doing, the 120 in the upper room before the Pentecost? I don't have proof, but I think they're following the example of their teacher, Jesus. I think they're going low. I think they're working through the areas of the gospel where we see disciples at odds. Friends, conflict is inevitable. Differences of opinions are inevitable. Blind spots are inevitable. Planks in our eye are inevitable. We need each other. And we need a savior at the center of our community who washes our feet so that we can begin to walk in his ways. And as we do that together, friends, as we say yes to preparation, as we say yes to cleansing and washing, and as we say yes to King Jesus washing us afresh, Rethinking our everyday lives, rethinking our everyday rhythms, rethinking our everyday routines and allowing the example of Jesus to come front and center. Rethinking what does it mean to be the church and to be the people of God and to participate in God's amazing kingdom purposes. Guys, central to it is this story. I set you an example. You'll be blessed if you do it. And I don't know about you, that's humiliating. I don't like to go low. I don't like to wash other people's feet. I don't like having the awkward conversations. I don't like being the first to repent. I don't, but the last I checked in the story, he didn't really care about my opinion or your opinion. He's like, I need to wash you. Let me do it. And then follow my lead. I'm really good at reconciliation. I'm really good at thinking thoughts after God's kingdom, righteousness, and way. I'm really good at forgiving. I'm really good at loving. I'm really good at making peace. I'm really good at loving the unlovely. I'm really good at ministering God's righteousness and God's kingdom. I'm really good at it, Jesus says. Just follow my lead. Follow my example. Let me wash your feet and let's begin to walk in a new and profound way together. Friends, that's my great hope today. For you and for me that we would live in this, this reality of preparation between resurrection and Pentecost. And I believe central to preparation is adopting this posture of King Jesus. Those robes, those outer robes that usually have a name tag of our titles and our significance and our accolades and our accomplishments. What if God's just calling us all to disrobe our outer garment and to say, I am a broken son or daughter that needs fresh mercy and grace from King Jesus today? What if we would, instead of withholding those areas of barrenness or brokenness in us, we brought them out and said, Jesus, I need that wash too. What if instead of suffering in silence or trying to just go it alone, we made the phone call, we shot out the text message and said, friend, I need someone to go on this journey with me. I'm getting my, my tail end whipped. i am Those bad habits, they've come back. And I I know the gospel is power to save and to heal and to restore. I need your help. My great hope for our church and for the church is that many of our habits and patterns have hit pause and it's a reset season to go back to its purest, simplest form We're following the example of our King and our master and our teacher, Jesus. And as we follow his way, he'll pour out his spirit. He'll empower us and there'll be something compelling about our life together, about our witness, about how we do all of life that will draw others in as Jesus is exalted at the center of our hearts and of our community. I believe by this, all people will know you're my disciples so much of what the church was known for in the past. It's kids ministry or worship ministry or teaching ministry. All these things are amazing and I want to have the best. I want, we do, we have an amazing ministry. But what if the great thing the church will be known for in the hours ahead, look at them, they love each other. They really do walk in a spirit of unity. They're not in competition. They're not like Cain throwing darts and arrows of accusation and judgment their, their feet are clean they're loving each other they're not brushing their differences under the rug they're doing the hard work of repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation they' oh my goodness I want to know they I want to know the one they claim to be king they claim to be Lord and friends. that's my hope during this coronavirus season that's my deepest, deepest hope for our church and the church after the coronavirus season, is that the example of Jesus would be exalted front and center, that a new vision of success, a new vision of fruitfulness, a new vision of that which we're striving after would simply be we're following the example of our Jesus. And he said, in the few verses before our story, if I'm lifted up in this way, I'll draw people to myself. That's our hope, and that's what we saw in Pentecost. As the unified body went low, they were unified in prayer. He could pour out his Holy Spirit, and thousands were added. Come on. I'm believing that those are the days that we have ahead of us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the beautiful example of Jesus, our King. I love your word more than your word, Lord, I love your embodied example, which I find out is more than a suggestion from this story. You say, I'm your Lord and teacher, and that's right, you call me that, but you'll be blessed if you actually do what I modeled for you. So Father, I pray all across the Central Coast and all across this nation, all across those who would be watching this online, that we would allow you, we may object at first to think we're good, that may we humble ourselves and say yes to foot washing. You would wash ours and that we would begin to wash each other's. Father, I pray for a move of reconciliation, a move of repentance, a move of forgiveness, a move of humility. God, disrupt our activities and our normal rhythms and routines that need disrupting. Give us new lenses. Give us new, clean feet to walk in your example and your way. And you promise by this, everyone will know that we're actually your students, your apprentices, your disciples, if we love each other the way you've loved us. Jesus, I thank you for the grace that washes and cleanses, for the Holy Spirit that empowers and enables us to walk in the very example of Jesus. And Father, I pray this in the Son, Jesus' beautiful, matchless, powerful name. Amen. I love you guys. Let's, let's do it. Open up your word this week. Come back to this passage again and again with me. And let's prepare our hearts for what God has for us next. As his people who have clean feet, who are learning and to adopt new rhythms and routines that are life-giving, that flow from the example and the word of Jesus our King. Bless you.